Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 to 15. Now the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The snake deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the snake, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. 2 Samuel chapter 7 beginning at verse 1. After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place where the tent is my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth, 
and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own, and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people shall not oppress them any more, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all of your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Isaiah 9, from 2 to 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be disdained for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The second reading is from Micah, chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem's Ephrathah, through, the, through you are small among clans in Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son. And the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. And he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace. When the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortress, we will, raise, we will rise against them seven shepherds, even eight commanders who will rule the land of Assyria with the sword, 
and the land of Nimrod with the dawn of sword. He will deliver us from the Assyrians when they invade our land and march across our borders. Luke chapter 1 verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greetings this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age, and she who, she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Starting to read at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them through Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. One of the uh, great themes in Christmas carols is the longing for peace. In the carol, it came upon a midnight clear. We sang, With sorrows brought by sin and strife, the world has suffered long. And since the angels sang, have passed 2,000 years of wrong. The nations still at war hear not the love song which they bring. Oh, hush the noise and cease the strife to hear the angels sing. And maybe this year in particular, that that longing for peace is perhaps particularly strong in each of us. We long for peace that will end wars, particularly in Ukraine, but in every place where wars are causing great harm. We We long for peace that will end crises, whether that's leadership crises in our country or 
cost of living crises. We want an end to those things. And we long for peace in our own lives too. Peace from family conflicts. Peace and rest from the busyness of life. And comfort from our fears so that we can have peace about the future. So peace is certainly promised in the message of Christmas. But how do we know that peace? Well, to see what God says about that, I want us to go back to one of the readings we heard earlier in Micah chapter 5. Now that reading was one of the many prophecies in the Old Testament that point forward to the coming of Jesus, written hundreds of years before Jesus came, explaining what Jesus came to do. And when Amy read that chapter to us, well, it sounded a lot like our world today, didn't it? We heard about troops being marshaled, of sieges and conflict and invasions. But right in the middle of all that strife and conflict, there was an amazing statement. There was a promise of someone who would come who would himself be our peace. Not just bringing peace, but being peace himself. And in that reading, God was promising to send a great leader who would bring security and rest for his people. And at Christmas, we remember the birth of that great leader, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want us to just briefly trace something of the story of how that peace comes in the reading that we had in Micah chapter 5. And the first thing that's striking there is that peace comes in unexpected places. The words of verse 2 are perhaps on the best known there in the reading because they're quoted by the religious teachers to Herod at the time of Jesus' birth when he asks them where the king of the Jews is going to be born. And they say, But you, Bethlehem Epaphra, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are of old. From ancient times. Now, now, Bethlehem was not the kind of place from which you would expect to find a rescuer. It was a small village or town. It was dwarfed by the capital city of Jerusalem around five miles away. And you expect a lady to be born where? In the capital city. But God says that the one who will bring this peace will be born in this insignificant village. There are many other surprise and unexpected elements, the story of Jesus' birth, that have that similar sense of being surprising. He has a humble background. Mary and Joseph are ordinary people. They're not a well-known family in that sense. He's born into a stable rather than a, a comfy home and laid in a simple feeding trough rather than a royal bed. And one of the reasons for these surprises is to teach us that God's ways are not our ways. And and our pursuit of peace can be like that too. We can think that we can bring peace ourselves, and so, but the more we try, the more we learn that we can't. Whether it's peace from a tense relationship that's difficult, whether it's peace in your heart about worries for the future, or whether it's peace between warring nations. We can't bring it about ourselves. Could it be that you have been looking for peace in the wrong places? Because true peace, lasting peace, eternal peace 
comes from knowing God. And perhaps for some of us, that's an unexpected place, but that's where we need to find it. So we see that peace comes from unexpected places, but we also see that peace comes from a wonderful, great ruler. Bethlehem isn't an impressive place, but what makes it so very special is the one who is born there. And there in the reading, God turns a spotlight upon the ruler born in Bethlehem. And great things are said about him in terms of his beginning. We learn that he has ancient origins. He is from of old and ancient times. He will be no ordinary leader. He is a leader whose history goes way back. And that points to the fact that Jesus is the eternal son of God who became man in his incarnation and birth. As Joseph was told, he is God with us. So he's a He's a leader of ancient origins, but what kind of leader will he be? Well, we read in the reading, he will stand and shepherd his flock. He will stand for us. He won't be sat down looking for us to serve him like you'd expect. Rather, he will be alert and ready to rescue those who look to him. And then he will be a shepherd for us. Now that Word might seem surprising, but in the Bible times, this idea of a shepherd was a great leader. Good leaders were described as good shepherds because they cared for people like a kind and diligent shepherd would look after their sheep. So he is going to care for us. He is going to stand ready to save us. Those are great intentions, but can he deliver on them? Is he able to do it? Well, we know that because of what we heard about his power. We, will heard that, we heard that he will do all of that in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of his God. So he will exercise the power of God to care for his people. Now we know, don't we, that friends, that, that peace is so hard to bring about. It's so hard to know peace in relationships, peace in our hearts, peace between nations. We need the power of God to bring us peace. And Jesus has that power because he has the strength of the Lord. And that means then that his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And that's an astonishing thing to claim because in those days, things were so local. News was local. And at best, powerful leaders only had regional power. But this ruler, this Lord Jesus, is so great that his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. And friends... All those things said about Jesus, who was going to come hundreds of years later, shows us that he is able to bring the peace that we need into our lives and into our worlds. And that's why the words of the angels are so very significant to the shepherds. Where they say in Luke chapter 2, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So peace is really possible. Peace comes from outside of us because Christ has come to be our king who will bring peace. But then there's one final thing I want us to see. We've seen that peace comes in unexpected places. We've seen that peace comes through a great ruler, but then also peace needs to start within us. The reason why there is strife and conflict in our worlds is due to a problem within people. 
Because the root cause of our turmoil that we see in our world actually is the human heart. Arthur Conan Doyle, the famous author of the Sherlock Holmes mysteries, once decided to play a joke and sent a telegram to the 12 most upright and respectable people in London with these four words, flee, all is revealed. And the next morning, six of the 12 had left London. Astonishing, isn't it? Why did they go? Well, they go because they had something to hide. I wonder how many of us would do the same thing if we received that same message. The world lacks peace because of us. So before we can know peace on earth, something needs to be put right within our hearts. We need peace with God. You know, one of the great traditions of Christmas is crackers at the Christmas meal table. Now, I was researching the origins of this tradition this week, and they seem to begin, begin with a, a, a London confectioner called Tom Smith, who wrapped up chocolates in an attractive, uh, colourful cracker. And over time, they added jokes. And then the most curious of things, a paper crown. Now, that always strikes me a little bit odd on Christmas Day. I'm somewhat of a, um, a rebel. I refuse to wear the crown from the crackers because I never really liked it myself. But that tradition does speak powerfully to something about our own hearts, the nature of our own hearts, which is that deep down, we all want to wear our own crowns. Deep down, we all want to be king of our worlds. We want to rule our lives. But if we're honest, we know how badly things go when we do that. And so, friends, instead of trying to rule our own lives, what we need to do is we need to come to the ruler who was born in Bethlehem, and we need to be ruled by him. We need to come and bow in repentance before him, confessing our sins, and we need to trust him by faith, because he came to change our hearts through his death. Micah's an amazing book. We only had time to read from chapter 5, but later on in chapter 7, we read these words. Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Friends, that is what Jesus Christ came to do as our king. He came to hurl our sins into the depths of the sea through his death on the cross. If you have things in your life that you want to hide from others, and I'm sure we all do, things that we're ashamed of, if we can trust the Lord Jesus by faith, then those things will be hurled into the depths of the sea. That is how he deals with them. Because as we trust him through his death on the cross, we know forgiveness from our sins. And then peace radiates from within our own soul. We live happily under the kind care of our great and good king. And so friends, that the key to knowing peace at Christmas is to have the same attitude as Queen Victoria had. She said, I cannot wait to meet Jesus. And when she was asked why, she said this, so that I can cast my crown before him. That's what we need to do.
Don't wear your crown this Christmas. Cast it before the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust him as your shepherd king. He is a good and faithful leader. And when we do that, we begin to know peace of God in our hearts, which is true peace.